Good morning. We're going to start this morning. We're going to be talking about two things. We're going to be talking about vision and how that affects it. And and as part of that, I'm going to show you a a short clip from uh, a recently released children's movie. So I hope you can I hope you can cope with that. To to talk about that vision, we're going to start with with two hymns which are about our vision of, of Jesus. The first of those is Jesus is King, and I will adore Him. And then we're following that with All hail the Lamb enthroned on high. Try to just draw yourselves a mental picture of what it is you're, you're singing about as we, as we sing the, those things, um, because I will be coming back to, to that afterwards. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Today, when we remember him especially, and, and Lord, we're sorry that we don't remember him as much every day as we do when we are here and confronted with the emblems that remind us of his life of service and his death. But we thank you that Jesus did overcome, that he's there standing um, with you to intercede for us and that our worship to you is acceptable because of him and because of what he did. And Lord, we, we pray for the time to come when we uh, and the angels and all the redeemed through the ages will praise you and lift your name on high. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us to hold firm the vision that we have of the, the glory that you have in store for us. For the beauty of the relationship that you offer us. And that together we may be encouraged and may encourage each other to walk towards you. Amen. Andrew's going to come and give us the announcement. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here. We welcome particularly uh, Jeff, who is here, and um, Stephen and Kathy. Nice to see you both. And Anne on the back row there. Good to see Anne. And, and Peter, Peter Curtin. Lovely to see Peter with us this morning. And Ortia. And Rebecca and Richard, lovely to see both as you've uh, come in. And finally, the um, welfare news. Gladys is still on Ward 3 at MRI. She still doesn't know how long she'll be there. She appears better than she was. Joe saw, saw her yesterday afternoon. She's getting bored in hospital and appreciates visits. So that's a good sign, isn't it? Mary Fitzgibbon has had a couple of bad nights with wooziness and loss of balance, some of which is probably due to the chemotherapy and some of it due to the number of hospital appointments and business this week. She has one chemotherapy treatment left and at her last checkup, the cancer had um, to be pretty much um, reduced and pretty much disappeared, so that's good news as well. 
Peter Griffiths is much the same, recovering fairly well from his stroke and having lots of help and support from the hospital. He's waiting for some scan results regarding the cancer, but otherwise he seems fairly stable. Please keep the whole family in your prayers. John Bernal is hoping to make a visit to Ghana, where a family he knows have invited him to meet the brothers and sisters in Accra, and maybe give an exhortation, as he hopes to be there for a month from mid-December. Please pray God will continue to strengthen John's faith and give him the energy and encouragement to work the great work he's doing in Kinshasa. Alex and Kate went for an ultrasound scan on Thursday, and although a heartbeat was seen and everything seemed to be okay, measured at eight weeks, there has been some bleeding in the past 24 hours, so we need to pray and keep Kate and Alex in our prayers at this time. There are many other people that we don't see regularly, if at all, including Pauline, Alan McGaw, Devon and Christine, Tammy, Sarah Lewis and Eloise, and others who we should continue to pray for. Pray for healing and restoration of relationships, strength and support of their faith, and that we can be reunited with them as a whole sometime. Please remember other members that we don't see, like Ben and Kirsten and Elizabeth Lang, and I'd like to mention our daughter Rachel too. Please continue to pray for the pregnant mothers in our family, for healthy, uncomplicated, safe deliveries of healthy babies at the appropriate time. Is there anybody else that you would like us to think about particularly? Andy? My shorthand wasn't quite fast enough to get down all of the names that Andrew mentioned. I'm pretty sure that God heard them. So I, I don't intend to repeat every, every name. I will just go over some of those that were, were called out because you may not have, have heard. Heavenly Father, we, we, we've seen this morning we've had a, a depressingly long list of people who, who have got issues and problems. And we know that within our own church there are a, a number of people who, who are worried about the future, whether they're worried about um, the possibility of life ebbing away or worried about whether new life will come or not and Lord all life comes from you you give it you take it away and we don't always we, we seldom understand why but Lord we do trust you and we do know that in all things you work and you work for the good of those that love you. And we thank you that you do that, Lord. Um, I'd like to particularly mention those who um, are not here um, and those that, that individuals are concerned about. Uh, Andy's grandparents, um, Wayne from Bob Reading Group, Sam Dunnigan, who we, we haven't seen for uh, for a while and clearly is in a very bad way at the moment, and uh, Matt and Anita in their need for support. For uh, whoever's nan it is that's in Hope Hospital, Lord, and I don't know why um, they texted Pearlene 
whether it's just a digit wrong or, or, or what it is. Um, but at least, Lord, it's given us the opportunity to pray to you um, for them, whoever they are. And likewise, we, we probably don't personally know many people who've been affected by, by the floods. Um, uh, they, uh, they first came to my attention when, when I saw on the television that Burnside was national news. Uh, and, and of course, Mike and Sue live there, but I understand that they're likely to be out of the area, but many of their neighbours may have been affected. Um, but further north, clearly things were, were worse than that. And we pray for all those affected. We, I know, Lord, how uh, distressing it is and how disruptive it is um, to have uh, all of the things that you sort of trust in, the solidity around you, uh, taken away under those circumstances. And, and we pray um, for all those of our uh, church here that we don't see very often. Lord, strengthen them in their faith, we, we pray. And help us to be to them uh, the help that they need to trust in you and to, to know you. Amen. I've taken a very strange uh, approach this morning and I, I recognise it's, it's maybe slightly dangerous but, but I hope you'll bear with me of, of wanting to talk to you about a children's movie. I want to talk to you about it because bits of it moved me so much. And I think that actually it's a really good example of how in, in anything that happens to us in life there is something that we can learn from if we keep our, our eyes open and, and we, we relate things to our relationship with God and ask ourselves, what does that teach me? Just so that I kind of know how much common ground I've got here how many people have seen Up? Alex has seen it. Well done, Alex. Yeah, Sam's seen it. I know, because we went together, didn't we? Right. Uh, but nobody else has. Right, okay. I'm sorry about this, but I, as part of the... Uh, I'm going to spoil the ending for you. Uh, yeah, which I don't normally do if somebody hasn't seen a film, but... But it is the twist in the tale that's classic, but you won't get that till the end, so you're going to have to bear with me. The film follows this young lad called Carl. And it starts with him in the cinema um, watching this great explorer um, talking about his, his adventures and so on. And clearly, Carl and loads of other people um, hero worship, this man who's been all over the globe, and it's probably set in about the kind of 30s, because he goes off in an airship to South America to, to, to do these things. And so, as young children do, he plays at being the explorer, and you see him running along the street with a little balloon above his head, uh, pretending that he's going off to, to South America. You know, and we can, we can... Then he bumps into Ellie. Now, Ellie also uh, hero worships uh, this explorer. But she's a deal more organised than Carl is. She's found this abandoned house. She's turned it into uh, her clubhouse. And, and this is where she goes off on her, her great adventures. And he kind of stumbles in there almost by, by accident because he sees her, I think, 
think it was this right, wearing the goggles and helmet and so on. And so he, he, he goes in and he's immediately overawed by her who pushes him around and tells him what to do and all the rest. And he just kind of stands there open mouthed. And, and after a bit, I, I, there's, a, there's a line that I absolutely love uh, and one that nobody's ever said to me, actually, which she says, yeah, don't talk much, do you? I like you. <laughs> Why has nobody ever said that to me? I, uh, anyway, um, and, and, and they see that she has put herself together this scrapbook. And, and in the scrapbook, as you turn the pages, she's got pictures of the explorer. She's got pictures of this place he's gone off to in, in South America looking for this lost animal. And she's, 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 show, she's scribbled in a picture of, of, of their uh, clubhouse sitting on the top of these falls in South, in South America. And then there's a page and it says, what I'm going to do when I get there. And every page after that is blank. And, it, and, and so, Carlos, what, what are you going to do when you get there? And she says, well, I'll know when I get there. And, and then you see, and I'm just going to show you a little clip of um, how their life progresses. I don't know, it made me cry the first time, actually. Because... Even though he tries to make good on his promise, she dies. But you see, what bound them together right the way through their lives was the vision and the hope that they had. It was, it was, their, it was their desire uh, to be explorers that made them meet in the first place. It was their, it was their vision of a, a life in South America that kept them going, that ran their business, which you probably couldn't read, was called South America, um, selling balloons because their hero had gone off in a balloon. It permeated all the way through their life because of the vision and the picture that they had. It shaped their lives. It defined their, their lives. And it struck me that maybe sometimes our vision does not permeate our lives as much. Because the vision that we have should be what binds us together. The vision that we have should work its way into every bit of our lives. Proverbs um, 29 says, Proverbs 29 verse 18, the writer says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. That's, that's the NIV. The authorised version is that where, where there is no vision, the people perish. I mean, it's interesting, quite a number of, uh, of translations obviously seem to have difficulty with this passage because a number of them say, you know, um, uh, people uh, let, let themselves loose, cast off restraint, whatever, and a number, number say, die. Now, to a large extent, actually, it's the same thing, isn't it? Because you know, if, if we don't have that, that constraint, if we cast off those constraints, the outcome of that is that, is that we will die. And it's that, it's, that, it's that vision in front, it's that 
it's that clarity of vision that, that, that keeps that going. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 is going to be a little bit of a struggle for you because before I did that, um, I was supposed to get Vicky to come and read Hebrews 11 for you and this carries on from there. I think I'll break now and get Vicky to read Hebrews 11 first and then I'll carry on with Hebrews 12 because that will make more sense. Vicky. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. 
By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched round them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Their faith um, affected what they did. The fact that they had a a, a vision of what was ahead of them, uh, a better resurrection, a, a, a a clarity of what God affected things that they did day to day. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus had a vision of what was ahead. And that enabled him to do what he did. 
And so we're encouraged to look to him so that we can overcome the trials and the difficulties and just the day-to-day living. John's first letter, chapter 3, tells us some of what that is that we should be looking to. When he he tells us, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. That's what we are. We are the children of God. I just have to end, because it's very easy to kind of get the, the vision out there. And, you know, what we're going to be, which is what the next bit of the verse is. Uh, the reason the world doesn't know us is that he didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So there's a, you know, there's a, a, a tremendous picture, isn't it, that, of, of being like Jesus. That's part of what's supposed to spur us on. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is lost for words. And he's talking about that, the, the, the power of what it is that, 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 that God has done and God is promising. And, and so he says, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, however, he says it's written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Um, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So, so here's something to, to look to that we can't see. Um, uh, we haven't really heard it. Our minds can't conceive the completeness of what it is. God's, God's told us some of what it's about but he knows that actually if he were to tell us everything that he's got in store for us um, we just couldn't cope with uh, how fantastic that is we don't understand God well enough we don't understand what he's got in store for us well enough to, to, to un- under- understand uh, the promise that he's got but all of those people in Hebrews 11 um, had faith in that and trusted in that Uh, And that's what spurred them on. So, um, we're going to take uh, bread and wine now. Um, We're going to sing um, from uh, the hymn book, first from the green hymn book. Um, We're going to take bread and wine, and then after we've taken bread and wine, I'm going to talk a bit about translating the vision into our everyday lives. Okay? Because I don't want it to be disembodied. They, uh, um, in the film clip we had, uh, Ellie uh, had this dream and vision of going to South America. uh, And she died without ever having realised that. Um, I think probably one of the things that upset me most about the film was that he promised he was going to take her there and he wasn't able to do that for her. Whereas, of course, we have a promise that will be fulfilled. There isn't any doubt about that. Yeah? Um, so, we're going to sing, We shall be like him. Oh, how rich the promise. 
What greater could our father's love prepare? Few are the words and softly are they spoken. But who shall tell the blessings hidden there? Those things beyond comprehension. It talks about in Corinthians. Lord Jesus, we remember you this morning. We've just sung that we will be like you. But Lord, part of what we remember is that you were like us. You suffered, you attempted, you loved and cried as we do. But Lord, you did it all in a way so different to us. With that focus on your Father. Without once doing wrong. Lord, we look forward to being like that. To being able to to serve our Father well. Lord, thank you that you lived the life you lived. Thank you that you were obedient to death to show us just how much your Father loves us. Lord God, thank you that you love us so much. Even in our disobedient state, you love us. And you sent your Son to die for us while we were still sinners. While we knew nothing about you. While we hated your ways. You sent your lovely Son for us. And we remember now his body broken on that cross. And we say thank you. Thank you for this bread that we can share. To remind us of his body. And to celebrate too that we are part of that body. Because of what he's done for us. Amen. We thank Jesus that he gave his life. That we might have life to the full. Um, John's going to come and give thanks for the wine. Gracious Father, we thank you for the freedom to worship and the opportunity to come to this place this morning. We've talked and thought about dreams, about vision, about opportunities and about disappointments. We've also talked about a gallery of wonderful people who lived in faith and we've remembered Abraham in that list and we recall how Lord it was the lamb that was caught in the thorns and thicket that taught Abraham your salvation is never far away and we reflect on this this morning and we remember too and confess that it is the thorns in our flesh within the thicket of life 
that often prevents us from realizing just how close your salvation is to us. And yet we are perhaps brought up with a jolt as we come for these few moments to remember our very best friend. And we recall that it was the thorns on his head and the nails hammered into his hand and feet from which his blood shed and that we now symbolically remember it wasn't that that Jesus reflected on it was the vision and the joy of what he was achieving that took him through that horrendous ordeal and that we must learn to appreciate more fully the price paid that we can have an opportunity to freedom in our lives we can have the potential of a very real and bright vision for the future that although we are carrying perhaps all of us metaphorically or literally many thorns in our flesh we can nonetheless be lifted out of this drudgery and focus on the vision of your kingdom and your future so we pray we accept our thanks for all that has been done on our behalf through your kindness and through the love of Jesus we pray Lord that you will bring us into your kingdom and that you will bring your kingdom unto us in his name. Amen. Sometimes our, our thoughts kind of concentrate on, on death, I think, uh, at this time, and understandably so, but... Jesus' promise was, I came to give you life. Yeah? He gave his life so that we could have life. And so I'd like us now to sing um, 146 from Praise the Lord, which is, Bless the Lord my soul, bless God's holy name, bless the Lord my soul, who leads me into life. Uh, because it's life we're going to be talking about for the next ten minutes. So, I, I want to ask you um, one or two questions now, really. Uh, uh, you don't have to answer them out loud. Uh, it, it's fine, but I'd like you to think about them. And my first question, really, is, is are we spurred on by our vision? Does the vision that we have of what God's got in store for us permeate our lives? Does it change things? Or, or are we, um, perhaps sometimes, as Oliver Wendell Holmes put it, so heavenly-minded that we're of no earthly use? Because it's easy to have a picture, it's easy to think of jam tomorrow, it's easy, to, it's easy to, to say, well, there's nothing I can do now, but God will sort it all out. You know, I'm useless, I can't do it, but when Jesus comes back, I'm going to be magically transformed, and then I can serve God properly. And whilst there's some truth in that, because there is a transformation to take place, there is also, um, I think, something missing from that as analysis. So, are we enjoying the journey as we go? Because I don't think Christianity is all about destination. Christianity is not about the end and not about the means. In fact, the end is meaningless. 
if you don't have the means on the way. When Paul, in 1 Corinthians 2, quoted that, that thing about no eye has seen or ear heard what God has in store for those um, who, uh, who trust in him, he was quoting from Isaiah 64. Uh, and you know, that isn't what Isaiah 64 says at all. So, sorry, it's almost what Isaiah 64. That isn't the emphasis in Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64 is not primarily looking forward and saying, look what God's going to do. Isaiah 64 says, Isaiah 64 verse 4, Since ancient times, no one's heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen um, any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. The, the emphasis in Isaiah 64 is not on what God's going to do. The emphasis in Isaiah 64 is on what God is doing. It's about looking what God did for Israel. It's about looking, up, you know, and saying, this is God working. I'm going to go through these reasonably quickly, because so you, but if you want to look at them afterwards, you can do. Proverbs 3, verse 3. The writer says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. It's about what you're doing now. Jeremiah 31, verse 29, when God is talking about the new covenant, says, I will write it on the tables of your heart. And I, I think it's quite interesting, actually, those, that, those two, that one in Proverbs and the one in Jeremiah. It's just like when the law was written. First of all, Moses chiseled it, and then that kind of got broken. So God chiseled it on stone for them. He wrote it with his own finger, and he says, the new covenant is exactly the, the same. You know, you can try and write it, and you'll get it wrong. But I will write on your heart. I'll do it. Second Corinthians talks about the... It all happening in vessels of clay so that we can see that the glory is God's and it's not something that we've done. When God's speaking through Micah and he talks about what he wants from people, it's to do justly. It's to love mercy. It's to walk humbly. It's not to have your head in the clouds with fluffy little pictures uh, of, of what might be. And when Jesus on the last night, speaks to his disciples, he says, you know, this is how people are going to know that you're my followers. Does he say, they'll know that you're my followers because you know the scriptures off by heart, cover to cover? Does he say, they'll, you will, they'll know you're my followers because you can articulate this vision that I have uh, of the kingdom. Those things inform and motivate us. But Jesus says, the way that people will know if you're my followers is if you love. He doesn't set them any other, any other test. This is how people will know that you're my, my disciples. Because you love. And that's carried out in the here and now, in the day-to-day. -day. I told you I was going to spoil the film for you. You saw that on her deathbed, she gave him the book. The book that had been their dreams 
and they hadn't been and you get all welled up because you say he promised he was going to do and they've never done what they promised and he goes off it's a long story he puts her he puts their house on the top of that waterfall down in South America just like she'd drawn it in her pictures and it's only when he gets back and something prompts him to open the book that he sees she's filled it in and all the bits where it says what am I going to do when I get there she's got all the pictures of their life together because the vision may have been what bound them together it may be what we're destined for yeah? but it's now that we live it out it's now that we give glory to God it's now that we show that we love the Lord and we love each other because what is it we're hoping for when Jesus comes back it's what we're doing now it's worship it's love it's relationship and we are building it now and our service to God is in having a picnic and cleaning windows and all of the other things that we do if we do them in love bound together by that God is in the everyday and I'm just going to do two short verses which if you want to join me you can first John first epistle of John chapter 2 then I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 3 first epistle of John chapter 2 verse 5 John says if anyone obeys his word God's love is truly made complete in him whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did and we shouldn't be frightened of that we shouldn't think that it's beyond us and that we're incapable of doing it While, whilst it's true that in some senses we are because he says if anyone obeys his word God's love is truly made complete in him Greek actually you could read two ways there it could be God's love in us it could be our love of God it's not clear and I think sometimes when it's not clear God expects us to read it both ways do we love God enough to make it complete in our lives and when we do make it complete his love shows through us it's the it's it's being part of the branches is it and the sap flowing through and producing the fruit God's love is made complete in us and then finally second Corinthians chapter 3 you know this chapter Paul, Paul talks about how it was uh, when Moses had this very close relationship with God and the people were frightened by it. They told him to cover his face because they couldn't stand the fact that you know, he was reflecting God's glory. And he has a go, I think, a bit at the Jews here in terms of saying, look, you know, they just, they blinkered, they don't look. But he could be talking to us as well when he says, verse 15, even to this day when... Moses is read or when the scriptures are read a veil covers our hearts because what it should be and this is what he, he he's, you know whenever anyone turns to the Lord the veil is taken away now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we who with unveiled faces 
all reflect the Lord's glory. Yes, you who thinks I'm not reflecting it very much just at the moment, I am talking to you. Yeah? You, we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. He's working with us day to day to make us what he wants us to be. And what greater promise than that do you want? We're going to close in prayer. We're going to sing two songs to close. The first is Be Thou My Vision. Uh, I'll put the words up for these. And the second is Come, Now is the Time to Worship. Because the time to worship is not when we come in through the door, although it is, it's when we go out, yeah, in, in our lives. So first of all, we're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done and continue to do and will do. We thank you that you were and are and will be. And we pray that what we know that you will do will make its way into the present and make us be what we should be to give you praise and glory and honour and to make your love complete in us. Work in us, Lord. Be with us that we may be you to everyone that we meet. Amen.